Today is Friday, May 20th, 2022. And from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is the Pennsylvania Legacies podcast. My name's Josh Rollerson. Memorial Day weekend marks the unofficial start of boating season in Pennsylvania. It is one of the Commonwealth's most popular summertime activities. It can also be one of the most dangerous. And with so many more people taking advantage of outdoor recreation opportunities these days, many of them for the first time, the potential for mishaps out there on the water is also greater. That's why the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission is kicking off the season by participating in the National Safe Boating Week campaign to help boaters stay safe on waterways in the Commonwealth. PFBC's Laurel Anders joins us now to discuss what you need to know if you're planning on doing any boating, kayaking, canoeing, or paddling this summer. Laurel, welcome to Pennsylvania Legacies. Glad to have you here. Good morning, Josh. How are you? Not bad, thanks. Um, Looking forward to getting outside and uh, maybe spending some time on the water this summer. And uh, that's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, Since it is coming up on boating season now and Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission is is on a mission to ensure that Pennsylvanians are recreating safely out there. Can we start with kind of the unpleasantness and tell me, like, how how bad is the situation that you're trying to address here? How many Pennsylvanians every year, you know, die or are are injured in in boating mishaps? And are those numbers moving in any particular direction? Do you see a trend there? Well, Josh, uh, Pennsylvania is a great location for getting out on the water. There's a, a lot of people who enjoy Pennsylvania's waterways by going boating. And each year we see a number of accidents and unfortunately deaths related to boating activity. Um, The current trend is actually trending downward. Um, We average about um, 60 to 70 reportable accidents per year. And that means an accident that involved a significant amount of property damage, an injury beyond first aid, or unfortunately a death. Um, In Pennsylvania, we have one of the lowest rates of um, accident statistics and fatalities across the country. Our average right now for a number of deaths per year is right around 11. And while that does sound like a very low number, um, any number of deaths is too many, and we strive for zero. Um, Overall, accident statistics are trending downward, which is a really interesting fact, considering that um, boating participation is currently on the rise. So something is working, and apparently we are getting our message out to folks about how to boat safer. Um, People are heeding the warnings about wearing life jackets and and generally practicing good, safe boating um, So in order to prevent you know, fatalities and, and um, accidents from happening. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing something right. Um, can you tell me about the uh, the kind of seasonal pattern here? And I, I assume there's a reason why this week in May is when National Safe Boating Week happens. Sure. National Safe Boating Week is always the last full week in May before the Memorial Day weekend. And the reason for that is Memorial Day weekend in many states is sort of the unofficial start of the boating season. And we see a lot of families taking vacations around Memorial Day that are related to water activities, especially boating. So National Safe Boating Week, again, is a national campaign around safe boating practices and encouraging people to wear their life jackets. So that's why there's that focus. Um, This year, it's May 21st to 27th. In Pennsylvania, you know, we've got some pretty cold winters and we have cold water that lingers 
um, through late spring, even into early summer. And you may be aware that in Pennsylvania, we do have a cold weather life jacket wear requirement that runs from November 1st through April 30th. And the reason for that is that we, you know, we see a lot of boating activity throughout the summer. You see this peak of activity in the summer. You see corresponding increase in boating accidents, you know, people bumping into each other, capsizing, whatever, in the summertime. However, when we would look at the number, the percentage of accidents throughout the year that resulted in fatalities, nearly 100% of the accidents that occurred in the cold weather months of the year were resulting in fatals, in deaths. So a lot of those fatalities are related to cold water immersion and the effects of that on the body. So um, we pulled together a lot of statistics and talked to a lot of folks and encouraged our board of commissioners to approve that legal requirement um, where life jackets would be required to be worn from um, November 1st through April 30th. And we are seeing a corresponding decrease in the percent of accidents that result in fatalities. It has almost cut that in half. So we do know that's proof positive that life jackets do work. Well, and we've been speaking pretty broadly about boating in general. And as you've already you know, noted, there there's seasonal variation and the conditions are different at different times of year. Um, there are also different ways that people choose to get out on the water. And I'm wondering if, uh, you know, are, are there significant differences between different types of boating activities? Are some uh, riskier than others just by their nature? Uh, where, where do you focus with this campaign? This campaign is, is, very, is very broad, so I have to say it's got um, something for everyone. So we try to offer safety tips and tricks and regulatory information, um, and we really do try to reach a wide variety of boaters because, as I, as I said in the beginning of, of our talk here today, um, there's such a diversity of boating opportunities across Pennsylvania that we really do need to reach all boaters with our message. Now, when it comes to riskier activities than others, I have to say that being around water is inherently dangerous. I wouldn't necessarily say that any of those uh, specific boating activities are riskier than others. It's really about skill and preparation on the part of the boater. If the boater is really skilled and prepared for the water activity, the boating activity that they're about to embark on, they have a much better chance of coming out of that with a, having a great experience um, with a low you know, risk of injury. So we really try to encourage boaters to um, be well prepared for the adventure that they're about to undertake and um, be sure to not underestimate the power of water. Too many of us are tempted by that thrill, little rush of adrenaline, and we see fast moving water and we think, man, doesn't that look like fun? Um, but Frequently, we need to take a step back, assess our skills and abilities, and ensure that we're really prepared to take on that power of water uh, so that we come out of it having a very enjoyable experience and a great memory. Moving water is where it gets particularly tricky. I mean, I think anecdotally, I would guess that people in our audience are more inclined to be on the the non-motorized side of the divide. We have a lot of paddlers and Peck does a lot of work, uh, you know, with paddling activities. So if we can zero in on that, are there particular things that people that are kayakers, canoers, rafters should keep in mind when they're out there this summer? 
Yes, um, kayaking has just shot through the roof in terms of popularity. Paddleboards, stand-up paddleboards are also becoming very popular. And then canoes have kind of been that staple of interest of people who really enjoy unpowered boating. Um, so we have tried to enhance um, our boating safety regulations for those unpowered boaters. And we call those group, uh, that group of boaters, the paddle, paddle sports enthusiasts or paddlers. Um, we've produced some new signage that we're hoping will help out paddlers in understanding what the safety equipment is that really is designed to help them out. And that is life jackets have to be properly fitted and Coast Guard approved. And you have to have one on board for every one of uh, the people on board your boat. You must have a whistle or some other sound producing device so you can alert others to your presence or if there's um, if you have an emergency. You must have a launch permit um, if you use a DCNR or Fish and Boat Commission access area. And very importantly, so many folks are interested in getting out in the evenings to enjoy sunset paddles and early morning paddles. Even moonlight paddles have become very popular. So it is a legal requirement and for your own safety, you must carry a light if you're, if you're out on the water after dark. Um, also, we've focused some educational resources for paddlers. Um, paddlers can go to our website at fishandboat.com and click on our, um, the boating portion of our website to find a free paddle sport safety course. And it's fairly short. It's only about two and a half hours long. People can cruise through that and learn basic safety information about how to be safe on the water. Um, and it's a little bit more convenient than taking the bigger time commitment boating safety education certificate course that is required for some motorboat operators. But that paddle sport safety course at fishingboat.com is really um, designed specifically for those types of boaters on the water. And we'll be sure to, to link to those resources, encourage people to avail themselves. You covered a little bit of this, but is there anything else that we should know about regarding the law in Pennsylvania? What's expected of boaters? How can they be sure, not just that they're safe, but that they're in compliance with state law? Well, I'd say um, what's really key is that we have broad regulations, um, and those can be found in our fishing summary book and boating handbook, which is available on our website as well as it's available at locations that sell fishing licenses. And we've combined the two books into one because it took us a little while to um, fully acknowledge this, but a lot of people who fish also operate boats and wouldn't it be convenient to pull together both of the documents into one booklet. So we have one booklet now that folks can carry with them and review. That's a really great tool to review. Then when you get to the waterway that you plan to paddle on or go um, power boating on, Take a look at the signage that's there at the access area at the boat ramp. Take a look at that signage and see if there's anything specific to that particular waterway um, that you'd need to comply with. There are certain num numbers of waterways across the state that have specific regulations. So being aware of that, you know, those are usually highlighted through specific signage on site. Um, but say, in a nutshell, if, if I can say one thing to paddlers before they get on the water is please wear your life jacket every time. That's really, while there's no silver bullet to boating safety, most times, no matter what goes wrong with your boating adventure, if you're wearing a life jacket, it's going to be your saving grace. So please, every time, wear a life jacket. Closest thing to a silver bullet we're likely to get here. 
as I, as you probably know, Peck does a lot of work with the state's uh, water trails program. You know, trying to get people out there on the water. Part of that is working with water trail managers. I'm wondering uh, where folks in that role fit into this, or, or or people that have a similar kind of responsibility role for a local waterway. Sure. The the Pennsylvania Water Trail Program is a, a really cool program that began back in 2008 with a variety of state partners. Um, across the Commonwealth, and also local partners and local communities. We currently have uh, 28 water trails that are designated across the state with more than 2,000 miles of waterway that are designated. And most of these water trails focus on opportunities for unpowered boaters. However, some um, water trails are on bigger rivers where um, power boats can enjoy the water trail too. Um, the point behind these water trails is to create designated um, paths that folks can follow uh, with, with key informational signage along those trails, similar to what you might experience on a, a land-based trail. And in some cases, the water trail will follow along parallel to a land-based trail, as in um, Pine Creek Gorge in North Central Pennsylvania. That's a great example. Um, and these water trails provide some additional amenities and uh, facilities for boaters to enjoy. The local network of water trail managers, those who really ensure that the amenities along the water trail are um, adequate, you know, are, are improved by grant dollars, um, are well-maintained, and that informational signage is provided, that's the key element and the key support network that these water trail managers bring at the local level. They also bring to, together stakeholders who can help to provide funding to leverage state and federal grants. Um, they also bring together networks of people who help to maintain access areas along the water and to provide free um, long-term public access on properties along waterways. Um, they really are the network of local stewards for the water trails and the access areas along those water trails. In some cases, water trail managers play a dual role in that they work for um, a local business or a local um, agency or organization that offers educational programs to help people get engaged in and involved in paddling. And that not only helps to introduce new people to the sport and the activity, it helps to promote a standardized safety message, and it helps to engage people and invite people who may not have ever been introduced to paddling before. Plus, it provides you know, fun support and events for people who might be very seasoned uh, boaters who are just looking for a group paddling experience to join in on. So lots of different um, opportunities provided through these water trail partnerships across the Commonwealth. And and I, I don't know if you'd agree, but to, to me, it seems like it's a very exciting time to be in the outdoor recreation field in Pennsylvania. What with all of this renewed interest and activity out there, which, you know, comes with challenges as well as opportunities and so on. But, um, you know, you were just talking about engaging with new boaters and, and doing the outreach and the education piece. Uh, it, it occurs to me there's also some uh, some effort going on 
vis-a-vis the Pennsylvania Organization for Watersheds and Rivers, the affiliate of PEC, in the area of, of trail access and some providing funding opportunities to make, I guess, more access points to to get on water trails and, and uh, rivers and streams in Pennsylvania. And that's just one example. But can you speak more broadly about, you know, how Fish and Boat Commission is meeting this this wave of new boaters and, you know, where you see it going from here? Sure. Well, there certainly is a wave of new boaters. Um, we're seeing in the field, we get reports from our um, officers, our waterways conservation officers, uh, that the number of paddlers they're seeing on the water is really through the roof. Um, that is great to see that many people out enjoying um, recreational opportunities. And as you mentioned, it does create some challenges around providing enough access and enough amenities, whether it's restrooms, garbage facilities, whatever. Um, so there are some challenges associated with it. Also, you know, a, kind of a, a wave of new participants who may not have a full awareness and understanding of the power of water and some of the inherent dangers associated with water-based sports. Um, so, you know, reaching those those new audiences is a challenge for us as well. Um, you know, providing enough, having enough funding to provide out to local communities to invest in new access areas or improving access areas. And we work very closely with Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources through their state parks and state forests to um, provide a lot of these types of amenities. And we match each other's grant funding to help leverage our dollars and make them go even further with local investments. Um, so there are a, a lot of challenges associated with this increased number of, of paddlers. And I'd say one of our greatest challenges is trying to reach those folks on the water. And so we are you know, trying through the National Safe Boating Week campaign to um, really beef up our efforts in communication. Um, so through podcasts like this one, through uh, social media blasts throughout that week of May 21st to 27th, we'll also be hosting a few in-person expos at a few locations throughout the state. And again, folks can find that information at fishandboat.com under the National Safe Boating Week banner. Um, but we've got these you know, special in-person events planned uh, with partners like water trail managers, um, conservation organizations, boating related organizations throughout the state to try to um, create opportunities to engage with people as they're coming out and getting on the water. While they may not have ever heard about us, maybe they'll accidentally um, encounter us at some of these events and have a positive experience and learn a little bit about boating safety habits and how they can en enhance their enjoyment of their um, recreational opportunities. And uh, you know, speaking of funding opportunities, there's there's one that's kind of up for grabs right now that that Peck and Power have a hand in, along with you and I, I guess DCNR probably too. Uh, do you want to talk about the mini grants program? Sure. The mini grants program is um, offered through um, Pennsylvania Organization for Watersheds and Rivers, and um, as you mentioned, we are a partner in that. And um, it's to help enhance amenities and facilities that are available along designated water trails throughout the state. Applicants can request up to $5,000 for these projects. And really what um, appeals 
to the grant review team is projects that involve a network of partnerships and have a lot of local community support and a diversity of organizations, not just the standard, you know, typical boating or conservation partners, but involving a broader network of, of people in these project proposals um, is really what uh, makes for a successful grant application. Um, and some of these grant projects in the past that have uh, been approved included wayfinding signs, um, safety messaging, which is especially important uh, a priority for Fish and Boat Commission, um, up-to-date water trail maps so that people can navigate their way around water trails and know where different amenities exist and also where certain hazards exist. Um, enhancing physical access sites, that's boat ramps and boat launches. In-stream or streamside habitat improvement is also um, a good project proposal. Environmental education and paddling education um, opportunities are um, also projects that have been approved in the past, which, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of opportunity. There's an increased number of people paddling these days. Um, those are the kind of programs that would, would, would score well in the grant program. And we'll be sure to provide uh, information on how to apply for those via pawatersheds.org. Uh, that'll all be in the show notes for this episode. Laurel, are there any other resources that you want to throw out there as we're wrapping this up, uh, ways that people can learn more about any of the things we just talked about? Yeah, there's a lot of resources available at fishandboat.com. I would recommend um, for those communities who are interested in investing larger dollars or maybe undertaking a larger project more than would be allowable under a POWERS mini grant program. The Fish and Boat Commission has a grant program called the Boating Facilities Grant Program. And um, we have approved projects that span the, the range of project costs from about $25,000 up to two $300,000. Um, so these can be really expensive projects. They do require a 50% match um, and we work closely with DCNR on um, matching up priorities for those types of facilities. Um, they can range also from very rustic, unpowered boat ramps to really modern and you know with with a lot of infrastructure, power boat facilities. So we just wanted to mention the Boating Facilities Grant Program is another great funding source. Um, the, that grant program is usually announced and opened up in the fall of the year with grant applications due at the end of the calendar year. And for folks who visit our website and search out that program, they'll see that we just announced a round of um, grant awards that were approved by our board of commissioners. So we've got another round of projects that are going to be implemented on the ground to increase access to Pennsylvania waterways. All right. Well, National Safe Boating Week kicks off this weekend in Pennsylvania and across the country, May 21st through 27th. And uh, Laurel Anders with the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission has been our guest today. Laurel, thanks so much for being on here. We'll, we'll see you out there on the water, definitely wearing a vest. Thank you so much. Yes. Don't forget to wear it, Pennsylvania.
Laurel Anders is director of the Bureau of Boating within the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission, which is participating in National Safe Boating Week activities starting this weekend in Pennsylvania. You can learn more about what they've got planned and get all the information you need to be safe and compliant with state law when you're boating this summer. Find the links to those resources, as always, on the PEC website in the show notes for this podcast episode. I should add the newly redesigned PEC website at PECPA.org. We'll have another podcast episode for you coming up in a couple of weeks. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.